What's up, everybody, and welcome to season two of the Buffer Overflow podcast, a show where we talk all about remote work, software engineering, culture, and how we do all of those things at a remote company here at Buffer of about 100 people. Uh, I'm Jordan Morgan with my co-host, as always, Joe Birch, and today we have a special guest, Amy Lee. Amy, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, we got a great show for you all today. We're going to talk about accessibility. But before we get going, uh, Amy, do you want to introduce uh, yourself, kind of say what you do at Buffer, how you how you ended up here? Um, you know, the, the typical uh, icebreaker kind of uh, introduction. Sure. Uh, I'm Amy Lee. I'm a front end engineer at Buffer, and I currently work on the product Publish. Uh, I first heard about Buffer through um, an acquaintance, Courtney Cedar, and uh, yeah, joined after learning about uh, Buffer from her. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know you joined uh, from knowing Courtney. Small world. Yeah, I spoke at the Girls of the Moon conference, and it's like a, a conference mm. that she and a couple other people headed up. So yeah, that's how, how we connected. And you both are uh, in Nashville, too, if my memory is Yes, we both perfect. live in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like a becoming another Buffer hub, I feel like. Um, yeah. There's a lot of you over there. And, and Joe, you're just by yourself <laughs> over there in Brighton. I, I guess we got to recruit more over there or something. <laughs> yeah, I know. We've got, we got Hannah who <laughs> oh. lives like, she, she lives five minutes down the road. But other than that, yeah, the, like, it's a lonely part of the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad remote work could bring us all together. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so Amy Lee, we thought you would be a perfect uh, first guest for the podcast because of your recent work around accessibility. So that's going to be the uh, talking point today. We've got three questions and we don't have reader mail because I <laughs> forgot to ask. So we'll just skip past that part. Um, but before we get going, uh, one thing I want to ask real quick is just what does accessibility mean exactly or how would you loosely define it? What is accessibility? It is the practice of making your websites usable to everyone, regardless of disability type or even the severity of impairment. And this can include people with low vision, dyslexia, hearing loss, colorblindness, autism, the elderly, or even people with temporary injuries. Uh, for me, why I care about, about accessibility is because I think we should do our part in making lives easier in a society that often doesn't build for disabilities. Also, as we move more and more of life tasks to the web, uh, I personally just book some flights. I booked an Airbnb, I pay my bills, grocery shop, I do so much on the web. Uh, and as we do this more and more, it becomes even more crucial that we make sure we're not leaving anyone behind. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I think that really sets the stage uh, nicely for us. So now, what we're going to do is uh, start off with our first good topic. And um, it's kind of a big one. So I'm really curious to hear your thoughts about it. And the first thing we're going to talk about is how do you get your team on board with building an accessibility mindset? Um, I think this is a really important one because I think every engineer really thinks that accessibility is important um, and they want to do it. But at a company at our size, right, we don't have like an accessibility engineer, someone who's always focused on that. So what are ways that you found over on uh, the published website to kind of get everyone on board with accessibility? Yeah, this is a great question. Uh, I think the first thing to start with is a conversation. Uh, just to kind of explain how I got into accessibility. Uh, I had heard about the term accessibility. I, I thought I understood it some. 
but I, I mainly thought of like add alt text to images and I don't think I quite understood uh, what all um, to do to build with accessibility. Uh, it wasn't until um, a user reached out to us and said, hey, I need to use a screen reader and I am not able to do that with Publish. A lot of the features just weren't, um, weren't usable with a screen reader. And when I saw that, I was just thinking like, man, that, that really, I hate that, that a, a user isn't able to use our products or not being inclusive enough. Uh, so uh, I, I started just to learn a bit. There's another coworker, Shar, she also was interested. So we started uh, just learning what accessibility is, why it matters. And uh, after these learnings, we wanted to share with the team because we were just really excited. So uh, we just wanted to start a conversation. Uh, we, we started a doc and shared it with everyone, just explaining what is accessibility, why it matters. Uh, and we also kind of laid out a foundation of, you know, this is our, uh, our thoughts on going forward to start building it with accessibility. And here are some tools we could start using. Uh, yeah, so we shared that and we were, uh, you know, a couple of people commented, uh, we started some conversation that way. Uh, I, I do think um, async, it, it can be kind of hard because there's so many things with a remote team, like so many docs, threads coming through. So we wanted to get people also uh, uh, more excited um, and make it more interactive. So we decided to do something called a snack chat, which is uh, just a video call to, to talk more about it, make it more interactive. Uh, so in our snack chat, we just, uh, again, shared with everyone again. Uh, one thing we thought was helpful was just to show a few examples and publish. Uh, so we kind of showed like, this is good, this is bad, uh, and uh, talked a bit too about why it matters to each of us, because I think it's important to understand um, why it matters to yourself of, of why you want to start building with accessibility. Uh, and, and one of the last things we wanted to do is we wanted to play a game with the screen reader. Uh, when you have a, a MacBook, uh, you have something called a voiceover, uh, which is just a screen reader that comes with the Mac. And we got everyone to kind of open up voiceover. We uh, showed some shortcuts and we uh, asked everyone to um, basically open up the calendar on publish, clear everything, add new things just with the screen, uh, just with the screen reader voiceover. Uh, and that was just a lot of fun. Cause I, I think when you're asking people to check with a screen reader, uh, make sure that that feature is usable. Uh, it, it can get, uh, if they never, you know, use a screen reader, if they never opened it up before, it can be a bit tricky. So at least getting that boundary done where they feel a bit more comfortable to, to do those tasks. Oh, wow. That's that's interesting. So how did it go with that first little experiment mm -hmm. of using voiceover? Yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, if you've ever used voiceover, it's very loud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I don't think people were quite, like ready. They like, turned it on and, you know, you're tabbing through things and it's just uh, speaking loudly and you can't hear uh and but it went it went really well. Uh, it, I think it was kind of fun and, and just to it kind of gives you more empathy too if you haven't experienced a screen reader to understand like this is how it's like and this is uh, this is what the experience is for our users. So uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought it was really it was really great to to get people into it and we even uh, got Nicole to give out a prize <laughs> to whoever uh, whoever <laughs> was able to uh, finish it first, which was Anna. So yeah, that, that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, yeah that's great. I think yeah. you made a really good point because accessibility, I think if you haven't 
Um, if you aren't someone in a position who relies on those things, it's kind of like this uh, just nebulous, huge blob of all these different like topics and APIs and things you can use to make it like more accessible. And you don't really know what that means until you try it. Um, and we've done that same thing on mm -hmm. iOS. Like if you, uh, there's a way you can make the screen completely black uh, to mimic what it'd be like for a blind user. And um, it's the same technology on iOS as it is on Mac, just voiceover. And it was uh, humbling mm -hmm. <laughs> to say the least. Uh, the first time I tried it, I was like, this is really, really difficult. So it gives you like all of these little uh, you know, areas to find it to, to clean up right away, but it makes you feel um, a whole new level of empathy for those users who really, really rely on those accessibility features. Exactly. I think it's normal to, you know, build with your own experience. And so you have to really be proactive to think like, how are other people experiencing this? Uh, so yeah, I, that's definitely something I struggled with at first, because I just was, you know, in my own bubble at first when building and it was it was great to become educated and start thinking more about how other people experience our product. Absolutely, yeah, it just builds a stronger product. Uh, Joe, mm -hmm. over on Android, um, I know that we're hiring for another engineer. Have you kind of thought about uh, ways to to kind of manifest that accessibility mindset over there as well? Yeah, so on Android, one thing that I found quite helpful when learning a bit more about it is so when we run our automated tests, we have the ability in the test suite that we use called Espresso to enable accessibility checks so if we if we're running ui tests then if any accessibility issues are picked up then the tests will fail um, and i think that's a good way of sort of learning about what things on android actually are affected by accessibility so if there's like an image view about uh, uh, a content description or if there's a, a text view that doesn't have enough padding to be clickable like sometimes people, well, it's easy for anyone to not think about those things if you're not used, if you're not someone who needs those kind of things set up. So the test failing and those things being made clear to you sort of starts to make you think about that stuff. So having those enabled is one way that we kind of um, help to, to get that on board a bit. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, <laughs> there's there's one way to really, you know, foster an accessibility mindset is, you, you know, your diffs won't land <laughs> if the test fails. So that's, that's a perfect <laughs> yeah. way in a lot, yeah. to, to kind of uh, to force the issue, so yeah. to speak, in a good way. Um, on iOS, one mm. thing that we found really helpful is uh, um, Andy has a huge pool of uh, beta testers that, you know, we kind of already had before I joined. And a lot of those users rely on accessibility features. So I think that's another thing. Um, that kind of mm. grows that empathy too that Amy Lee was talking about is we have people that need these features. Um, and so if something's off, we usually get pinged pretty quickly uh, from our, you know, beta test flight builds that uh, voiceover doesn't work with, you know, some certain part of the app or new feature. Um, so I think the overarching goal here is to really kind of foster that empathy um, as a developer, because again, it's just so easy to develop in your bubble because mm -hmm. you, you only know what you know. And if you've never had to rely on these features, they're easy to skimp on, I feel like. Um, and much like the web, how you just kind of set like the alt text on the image on iOS, the, the kind of uh, <laughs> same thing would just be to say like, oh, my label has text. So, you know, it's good. Um, and voiceover is really smart. So it picks up most things. But when it's wrong, like it's really bad. <laughs> so, you know, it's definitely something you want to go through and patch up. 
Um, which leads us to another topic of around accessibility, which is tooling. Um, we've kind of mentioned it a little bit already, Joe, with your test suite and uh, VoiceOver, which I guess is the API, not so much the tool. Um, but on web, Amy Lee, do you all have any concrete tools that you use or anything that kind of makes your life easier when you're trying to uh, develop for a great accessibility uh, experience? Yes, we are trying out a few tools. Uh, there's actually a ton of tools online if, if you uh, Google uh, accessibility. Uh, the ones we're currently using, we're just using an ESLint plugin called JSX Ally. Uh, this is just helpful, uh, just gives you little warnings and notifications when you're coding uh, of, of some things that might not be ally friendly. Uh, another one is uh, in Chrome browser, there's something called Lighthouse in the DevTools. And it just kind of gives you like an audit of, uh, of the front end. And so that's been really helpful as we're building to, to look at that and see if we're missing something. Uh, Storybook also has uh, an add-on called Ally. And uh, so with Storybook, we are able to look at what the colors look like with different like visual impairments. Uh, so that's been really great. And also kind of flag some things too, if, if, we're, if we're missing um, some accessible uh, features. Uh, and there's also a Chrome extension called Wave that I've been trying out. It's, it's nice too, because uh, the one thing about Lighthouse and DevTools, it doesn't work great if you have modals uh, because every time like you refresh it, it, it refreshes without the modal. So uh, in publish, so we've been using um, yeah Wave, which is a bit more helpful because uh, it actually like, shows a little red dot beside um, and, and gives you like a number of like how uh, what, what the score is, and it, it's been it's been really helpful. Uh, and then of course, when creating a new feature, we always uh, say. Let's try out uh, with a screen reader. So that's kind of where voiceover comes into play. Oh, awesome. So so not lacking for tools, it sounds like, which is which is a good thing. Um, you want to have the meat yeah. to test that stuff. Uh, you mentioned Storybook. Now, I'm a little bit behind on that. I know that's something I hear a lot over in the uh, web dev corner of Buffer, but I don't really know what it is. Is it, as I understand it, it's like just basically a, a catalog of our, all of our UI components, right? Yeah, basically. Uh -huh. So uh, a lot of times I'll, if it's very front end style heavy, I'll start building first in Storybook and just, uh, you can pass in uh, props, the components, just some dummy data and, and build that way first. Uh, and it kind of sh shows, uh, has some plugins like the, the add-on ally that kind of sh shows a bit of uh, maybe issues in the front end with like styling. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I know that we're trying to get like more of a design system established at Buffer too. Um, on mobile, we've kind mm -hmm. of been getting there uh, little by little. I don't know where the state of that is on front end, but have you all thought about like incorporating um, accessibility into the actual like design components, or is it, or is it more of just hey, we know this is what we need to do, so it's more on the developers to think of those things and maybe audit those on pull requests. Or um, I'm just wondering how that how that looks over on Publish. Yeah. I think that's a great question. I think accessibility is something that isn't just for engineers, it should be for designers, even like product managers, engineering managers, like everyone to get behind. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's something we have been chatting with the designers about just designing with accessibility mindset, um, just with colors about, uh, you know, the features, uh, you know, are you able to use it with a keyboard? Uh, yeah, so I think that's a great thing. And even with like product managers for, them to understand accessibility is important because it helps them, uh, you know, realize we need to give more time because it, 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 you know, 
maybe scoping is going to be a bit longer. Maybe this task will be a bit longer, but it's important to, um, to, to build with accessibility and, uh, and engineering managers, they can like kind of rally behind you too once they understand. So it's definitely, definitely like a full team thing. And uh, I don't think that means like there can't be like a point person to be on a team. Uh, you know, there can be one person that kind of you go to uh, with accessibility questions, but it's definitely a, a full team uh, a thing to get behind. Yeah, absolutely. Because the one thing I've found with accessibility is like the whole team kind of has to be on board and, and champion it. Um, mm -hmm. One person can kind of be the catalyst of that. But, it, you know, if the PM's not involved or the designer's not involved, then, you know, the developer's not going to feel really supported to do that. Um, so that's that's great that you all are fostering that kind of culture. Um, Joe, in terms of tooling on Android, I know on iOS, we have a lot of robust tools uh, supplied from Apple called the Accessibility Inspector. Is there a similar kind of thing uh, you all can uh, run through Android or that the Espresso uh, tests are hooking into? So we can, if, in terms of like manual testing, we, we have this thing called Google Accessibility Scanner. So it's an app which you install on your phone and it kind of like overlays your device. So if you open another app, then the scanner will point out accessibility issues in the application you've opened. So it will like highlight things and if there's not enough padding or things are overlapping, um, it's quite a nice way of sort of, again, maybe being introduced to those concepts and also finding issues in your app as they are. Um, that's kind of a manual side of things. And yeah, the going on site, onto the automation side of things is the espresso test, the, the UI tests. Um, we have that kind of automation in place. Um, to, to, to check those things automatically. And yeah, it's nice to have those tests fail and pick them up in your pull requests. Um, but in terms of, yeah, in terms of tooling, I mean, I think other than other than that from our side, there's, I don't know of too much else. I think going back to what Amy said about it being a part of the, the process, I guess, like it coming from the design, because that, that makes it, you know, by the time it comes to us building those features, having the components and the colors accessible makes a huge difference. Yeah. And you know, a really interesting one that I've found with accessibility lately is colors. Cause I think a lot of us, especially developers, mm. when you think of accessibility, you, you first kind of go to the voiceover kind of scenario, like, you know, can a screen reader use this? Can a blind person use this? Um, and certainly that's a huge, huge component of it. Uh, but color contrast is another mm. important one. And it's really easy to mess up um, because I think, you know, design trends come and go, but right now I think a lot of designs kind of call for that soft gray, um, like subheader text on white background. Uh, and I know we do the, every iOS app does this, even the stock mm. uh, iOS apps. Um, but almost every time it, it fails that contrast ratio, I, I don't have it off the top of my head. It's like, I think seven to one is what it's supposed to be. Um, but yeah, that light gray is always, it's, it's barely distinguishable for someone who's a little bit, uh, you know, has trouble distinguishing those things. And then the same for colorblind uh, users too. Um, so there's another option that you can pop on on iOS to kind of mimic those things. Um, and it's good to kind of go beyond just the, the, the voiceover stuff on iOS, I find. And I'm sure that's true of every platform, but uh, that's kind of like the first stop. Um, but then these tools really uncover a whole, whole bevy of uh, issues that can crop up in your app that you're not even aware of. So yeah, the tools tools are great. And I think all of this obviously would be a much more <laughs> laborious process without them. Um, but once you have a mindset of accessibility, once you have the tools to use them, one other uh, question that I think is interesting to ask is, should your product have an accessibility statement? 
Um, Amy Lee, really curious to hear what uh, Publish is doing in terms of that. Do you all have one? Have you thought of having one? Or is it just kind of a mentality that's spread already throughout the team? Or, or how does it look? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, we currently do not have an accessibility statement on our site. We do have something called a VPAT, which just kind of explains uh, what, you know, what things are supported, what things are not, and what things are partially supported. Uh, but uh, I, I think accessibility statement is really important to have. It helps communicate to the users, you know, what what you can use, what, what the vision is, uh, you know, what our time frame is with be, becoming more accessible. Uh, and that helps them like know whether or not to sign up or, or try out this product uh, or, or, or whether it's going to, you know, improve. Uh, I, it's something that uh, with Publish, we are starting to work on where um, and also with all three of the products, uh, we've, we've been discussing more uh, just with with how to communicate better and and where to put this accessibility statement on our site, but I, I definitely think think it's important for uh, a product to have an accessibility statement. And you know, I, I think more legal implica implications are are going to be um, coming up in the future too. And so it's important to to try to be accessible and to 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 communicate like the vision of accessibility uh, within a product. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it's definitely important to think through. I know on iOS, we don't have an accessibility statement yet uh, internally or really a, a public facing one either. Um, but I think it's something I definitely want to look a little bit closer to because like you said, you can say accessibility is important and it might be on everyone's minds, but to have that concrete statement saying like, drawing the line in the sand saying, this is what we're about. Like we're gonna support uh, all of these features uh, to make our product usable for everybody. Um, we're gonna spend the time to do it, I think speaks volumes. Um, Joe, I, I'm gonna throw you a little bit of a curveball here. I know you worked more of an agency setting before Buffer. Um, I'm curious, from accessibility standpoint, um, I don't know that maybe the company had so much of a statement, but how did it look for uh, products like that when you had to build you know, five, six, seven, maybe more apps a year? Um, did you, uh, in in short of having an accessibility statement, was it just kind of the things that were baked into the uh, development workflow, or that you just kind of did on your own, or what what does accessibility look like in a setting like that? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so, as far as I can remember, when it came to to building apps for for other companies, we kind of just tried tried to go with the standards like that we knew of. So the things I mentioned before, like content descriptions and our spacing, um, and kind of doing the minimal. Kind of thing like whilst personally it would have been nice to have gone all the way i think it, it depends on the client like the time of the project the length and and, and so on like as a development team and, and as an agency we were quite uh user focused so i want to build quality apps like animations and accessibility and uh, that were well tested but when it came down to the clients obviously budget when budgets are cut or when times time scales are reduced then and we don't exactly have time for all that. So yeah, and to be honest, most of the time, unfortunately, like most clients weren't interested in those things. And I think that comes down to the education of it, like knowing how important those accessibility things are. Like it's um, not only is it helpful to make, you know, the product better for um, people who need those things, but it makes your product better overall and, and more usable for, for all users. Uh, one thing I don't think I quite realized is um, it's not just like a moral impact, but it's also really smart for business. Uh, there's one in five people in the U.S. have a disability. 
Uh, and so like when we're not centering these individuals, we really narrow our target audience. And I, I don't think I quite like realized um, how common uh, uh, disabilities were in the US um, until learning more and educating myself. So yeah, it, it's definitely a huge moral impact, but it's also um, you know smart for business. Yeah, that's a great way to put it because mm -hmm. if you go to the mm -hmm. client and say, hey, we're gonna uh, alienate one fifth of the users if we don't do X, of course, they'd be like, well, let's fix it. You know, how do we get that? Uh, and then when you mm -hmm. say, hey, it's accessibility, maybe it's a little bit more eye opening, but certainly a, uh, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's tough to thread that needle when when you're doing uh, billable work uh, by the hour and want to spend the time on accessibility, yeah. I'm sure. But um, yeah, I guess the the education aspect is really huge because I, I think it's not hard to convince other engineers to spend time on accessibility, right? It's always the outside forces who aren't as close to it. And maybe, you know, admittedly don't know as much about it as as maybe engineers do to kind of spread that, uh, you know, the news about why it can help. And, you know, at the end of the day, it, it if you kind of put it more in uh, metric terms, like it brings in more users, right? So, <laughs> you know, the tools or your products available mm -hmm. to everybody. I say I think one of the, the the differences that does stand out a little bit is whilst we don't have this like set in place to be a process like when we're working with our designer Anne and um, I think there's a lot of like can be a lot of back and forth in in a good way like if there's something we notice in the design not necessarily accessibility things but that we want to change we kind of change it and we, we'll be building stuff and we change something and and so on and um, whereas in an agency it was very we have the design we get handed it and we build it and then during that time, the designer's working on the next pro the next project. So any changes, there wasn't really any space for that. So, and I think, you know, a lot of those accessibility things come, like we said, at the design stage. And because we didn't have that space to go back and be like, oh, we need to change this or we need to work on this. Like it wasn't an option because the person was already working on the next project. So that's one of the things I can think of that was a difference was just the, the way in which we worked is, was very different to, to what we do now. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, that's one thing I'm very thankful for at Buffer is we do kind of have the freedom to to make the best product and to have our opinion like heard. And that trickles right down to accessibility. Um, and I think uh, we've got a lot of, you know, ways to go, but we're, we're getting better at it every day. So, yeah, like you said, the design phase is critical mm -hmm. to make sure that that's uh, part of the process, so to speak. Um, to kind of round things out, Emily, I wanted to ask, what is one part in uh, published today that, that you would consider a pretty strong candidate for a good example of accessibility? I think we're doing better with our semantic HTML. I think we're really trying to, uh, you know, get good descriptions and the roles and, and make sure we're not just using divs a ton or making sure it makes semantical sense. So I think that's, that's one area we're really working on and, um, and doing well in. It contextualizes it is what it sounds like. So that way, um, you know, when when the screen reader is looking at the markup, it, it can tell because I uh, the reason I thought of that is when I recently moved my own blog over to like a static site generator um, about a year ago, I hadn't even done web dev since HTML5 came out. And there were all these new elements that I didn't even know existed, you know, because I, I was that person who did divs for everything. And I was like, oh, there's like a section now and header and all of these things. Uh, so it was like a, a whole new world to me. But I can see how that would make the the actual meaning of what the screen reader is trying to like tell the user uh, make a lot more sense than just divs everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Mm hmm. Good stuff. Well, I think that was a great uh, discussion today. I think we'll go ahead and start wrapping things up there. Um, thanks for joining us. You can find me online at, at Jordan Morgan 10. Uh, Joe, I believe you are. Hi there, Joe. Do I have that right? 
Correct. Yep. Got it. (laughs) So I say hi to Joe front at hi there, Joe. And Amy Lee, where can we uh, find you online? You can find me on GitHub, A.L. Bennett. You can find me on Twitter. uh, Amy Lee is. Per- oh, that's that's hilarious. So you were saying Amy Lee is, and like I was waiting because I thought there was a. Oh. <laughs> I was like, yes, Amy Lee is, but just Amy Lee is. It's good. It's very yeah, open ended. Amy Lee is. <laughs> it used awesome. to be Bennett to win it, so it's improved. <laughs> Bennett to win it. Hey, don't worry. I still use uh, my email oh, yeah. address from fifth grade to for all my adult happenings. It's B ball for life. So. You know, when I like, I have to reply to a bank, they're like, what's your email? I'm like, people for life. <laughs> so, uh, perfect. All right. But before I give up any more embarrassing uh, details of my life, we'll, we, I guess we'll cut it off. So thanks for joining everybody and we will see you next time.